Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Thank you, Dustin. Good morning. It's a lot of passage to cover, so hopefully I won't go too long. So I want to welcome everybody today, this morning here. I want to say to the veterans, thank you for your service what you've done in honor of Veterans Day yesterday. We appreciate what you have sacrificed for our country. That reading was in 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. You guys can turn there. Many of you know who I am, but I just want to introduce myself. I'm Kent Rayburn. I'm not the normal pastor here. He got the Sunday off. He asked me to come up here and um, give a message and to teach. He had a teaching class last year, and I think he's doing another one now, where he helps people to um, learn how to study God's Word and work through it to where you can present it either in your house or you can teach here at church, and he asked some of us to come up here and teach. So I've had the privilege to do that once before, and uh, I guess it wasn't too bad because they asked me to come back. So, um, 
So yeah, let's start in here. So in verse 7, he starts off with the word beloved. So right there we know that he's talking to fellow Christians, beloved people, people he knows, people he has a relationship with. So when he starts with beloved, you know he's going to say something fairly serious because it's, it's kind of a, a one-on-one relationship he's had with these people. So he jumps right in and says, let us love one another for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God for God is love. So he lay, the first two verses, he kind of makes a statement there of God is love and we are to love. But then the next couple of verses, he starts to really lay this foundation before he continues on to the rest of the chapter. So he makes this statement of, let us love one another, for God is love. And then he goes into laying this foundation before he can really build on it, on what he really wants to get to. In verse 9, he says, By this the love of God was made manifest in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Those two verses are really laying the foundation for the rest of it. He says, by this, the love of God was made manifest in us, was made clear. By what? By God sending his son, his only son, down here to live among us, to go to the cross, to die for each one of us. That's how God's love is made clear. That's how we see that he loves us so much. Back in the very beginning in Genesis, Adam and Eve were put in the garden, and it says that God came and walked with them. And then sin entered the world, and they were separated from God. But God longed to be with them. God wanted to be with them. So they had sacrifices And the blood of the animals would cover the sin. But God still wanted to be with his people. They had a tabernacle where God, in the temple where God was God's place of dwelling. Yet God said, I want to be close to these people. I want to be near them. And so he finally, he said, it is time. He sent his son down to live on this world for us. Sometimes I don't know if we really grasp the the awe of that, that God would send his only son down here for you and for me. Live a perfect life. Be beaten and hung on a cross to die for us, for you and for me. Because he loves us so much that he sent the one sacrifice, the end-all sacrifice, 
And now our sins aren't covered up anymore. They're gone. It says they're as far as the east is from the west. As far as I know, they haven't figured out how far that is yet. So they're gone. They're covered up because God wants to be with us so bad. He wants to be close to you because he loves you. You are important to him. You are important to God. So the question I asked when I was coming into this is, so, okay, then what is love? We say a lot of words about love and a lot of things that we just kind of thrown out there. You know, I love this or I love that. Me personally, I love pizza. We say that, but that's not the love he's talking about here. I watched a, it wasn't a documentary, but a, a video where they asked people, what is love? What do you think love is? Some people say, oh, you know, it's, it's being with my mom and dad. You know, when I go home and holidays and I'm with them, you know, that, that's love right there. Other would say, well, it's what, being with my family, you know, being with my kids and, and hanging out together, that's love. Some people say, well, love's an emotion, just an emotion you get. Some would say love's a feeling, you know, it's this feeling you get. You know, you get this feeling and you fall in and you fall out of love. So are those things love? Is love your parents, your spouse, your kids, emotions, feelings? In this day and age, is love sex? We call it making love. Is that love? I mean, all these things thrown around are called love. But I think we see it right here in these two verses. It says the love of God was made clear. He sent his son. He didn't have to, but he did because he wanted to be with us. He chose to do that. Love, true love is a choice. You don't fall in and out of it. It's a choice that you make. God chose to send his son down here for you and for me. His son chose to go to that cross for you and for me. I don't know sometimes if we really grasp that. I don't. Sometimes I just, I think about it and I'm like, why? It just doesn't, why would God do that for me? And then sometimes, you know, when I came, for me personally, when I came to faith in Jesus, I was so thankful and I brought everything to him and I, I poured it at his feet and I dumped it and I, I said, God, I don't want it anymore. I believe you. I just don't want it. And then as time goes on, Maybe I don't bring everything to him. Maybe I start holding things back. Or I start thinking, what is God going to think of me? You know, I've messed up again. I've already brought this who knows how many times. But he's sitting there saying, come, bring it to me. I love you. I want you. He's choosing you all the time. God will choose you 100% of the time. And he proved that by sending his son to the cross. That he wants to be with you. That's how valuable you are to him. That's how valuable you are. Each and every one of us. 
Like I said, I don't know if we really grasp that sometimes. But since we kind of walked through this and I kind of boiled it down to love being a choice, and you choose it, let's read these first few verses a little differently. Beloved, let us choose one another. For choosing one another is from God, and everyone who chooses the other is born of God and knows God. The one who does not choose the other does not know God, know God. For God chose us. By this, God choosing us was manifested in us, that God has sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this choice, not that we loved God, but that he chose us and has sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. When I read that differently, I'm not trying to change the Bible and rewrite it, but I just read it in different words. It's like, wow. Wow. God chose me and chose you because he wants to be with you. He loves you. That's who you are to God. You are sons and daughters of God, and he's chosen you. And I'm so thankful for that. And then we get to verse 11. Uh Working our way through this, and we get to verse 11. And I started reading this and got through the first part and was really dissecting it and trying to see how God's love was for us and find out what God's heart was through this. And I came to verse 7, and I'm like, it kind of feels like a bait and switch. He's kind of telling you, this is how much I love you. I've done this for you. And then he just turns it around. And he said, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. For me, I was like, whoa. We ought to love one another. If God chose us, we ought to choose one another. It brought a whole new light on this passage as I was going through it. It says, no one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is a Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. It doesn't say God loves. It said God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected in us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in the world. So we talked about God's love for us and how we need to see ourselves in light of how God sees us. 
and how you are important to God. Then he says, see how God sees you. See what he's done for you. Now do that for others. Choose others as God has chosen you. Choose others as God has chosen you. It's not a natural thing, choosing others. Here at the beginning, the first verse, it says, let us love one another. Verse 11 It says we ought to love one another. First verse is let us. Give yourself the freedom to do it. Don't be afraid. And then verse 11, he says we ought to. Make it a priority. He's putting a little more of a command behind it. Make it a priority to love one another. But it doesn't come natural. It's something you got to work on. And it says, by this, God's love is perfected in you. It's made perfect. It reminds me of like polishing something. Or they get those, you know, the rocks and they, they make them all smooth, you know, and then they sell them and different things. But when you first work on it, they're rough. They're not a really nice rock or whatever they're doing. Sometimes it takes some chipping. And it's not very fun. But then they start rubbing it and they start polishing it. And pretty soon it becomes just this perfect rock or whatever they're polishing. That's what it reminds me of. He says, do it, and it'll be perfected in you. Make that choice. And the more you choose it, the more it'll be perfected. The better you'll get at it. The more you'll choose other people just out of your nature, just as God uh, chooses us. Because God is love. Choose one another. And then I get to verse 17. I was a little bit confused. Because it says, by this, the love of God is perfected in us. But it says, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in the world. Here he was talking about God's love toward us. The way we should show love to other people. Then he switches and starts talking about judgment. And it just seems kind of confusing there. But he says that we'll have confidence in the day of judgment. Why? Because we've loved as God has loved. If you love the way God loves, that's God's heart. God's heart is his love for you. And if you have that heart for others... Why would you be afraid? When you stand before the throne of God, yes, I think you're going to be in awe, but you're not going to be afraid. You're going to have confidence that you lived and you served others as God has served you and chose you. You're going to have confidence on that day. In verse 18, it says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. That one kind of confused me too, but if you read it in light of the last verse, one of the opposites of fear is confidence. One of the opposites of confidence is fear. So he says there's no fear in love, because you're going to have confidence when you do that. 
So there's no fear in doing that. There's no fear in, in loving other people because that's what God does. That's God's heart. It says fear involves punishment. So if you're afraid to do that and you're afraid that, oh, someday when I stand before God, man, is he going to punish me or not? If you flip it around, you're going to have confidence if you choose other people. You're going to have that confidence on that day. And then verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. We do love to others. We show love to others because of what he's done for us. That should be the driving force of why you love others. Because of what he's done for you. What are the greatest two commandments? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. To choose God with everything in you. To choose him. And the second one, to love your neighbor as yourself. To choose your neighbor as much as you choose yourself. To choose the other person as much as you're selfish. And everything else falls under those two. So all of this falls under that. If you get those two right, you're going to have an amazing witness in this community. They will know that you're a Christian by your love for others. I think those two are a lifelong project right there. I don't think you'll ever get them perfect, but those are the greatest two. Then we come to verse 20. He says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he doesn't say if anyone says, I love God and says, I hate my brother. He said, if anybody says he loves God, but in your heart, you hate your brother. You don't say it. It's a heart thing. Says he's a liar. He's a liar. This whole time, he's been talking about God's love toward us, our love towards others. Then he turns it around. And he says, your love toward others is going to show the way you love God. It's a two-way street. And he gets pretty serious by saying, you're a liar. You're a fake. You're a phony. You're a hypocrite. We've heard that before about churches, haven't we? For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. Your love for God is made perfect by the way you love and serve other people. I never thought of it going that way. I always thought, yes, you know, we love God and we're thankful for what he's done for us and so we serve other people. But it goes the other way too. 
the way you love and choose other people really strengthens your relationship with God. It goes the opposite way also. Then in verse 21, he said, And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Like I said, verse 7, he said, Let us love one another. Verse 11, he says we ought to. In the very end of this, he said it's a command. This commandment we have. He took this. He made a statement. He shows you how much God loves you. Shows you how you need to use that love and just let it spill out onto other people. And then he caps it at the end with a command. I love the way he really puts this together and walks you through it. A lot of times, if you would come to something to read and say, this is a command, do this. Us and our human nature, like, yeah, who says who? We don't want to do it. You hear a command, you're like, get turned off. But he walks you through us, saying, let us. We ought to. Now it's a command that you understand what's going on. There's also three different ways of this. Like I said, it's not natural. There's sometimes you need to allow yourself to love other people, like he says in verse 7. And then verse 11, we ought to. There's times where we really need to. And then in verse 21, where he says it's a commandment, there's sometimes we need to make it a commandment that we do it and make sure we love each other. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody or make you feel bad that, oh, you're not doing this. I'm just explaining here what he's talking about and how he walks through it and how we should see it. So I want to give some examples of how do we love? How do we choose other people? There's times we do when there's... um, Different things happen and, you know, a family member passes away and we all come together and love on them. Someone has a baby and you bring them meals and you come and visit them. Those are our ways we can and we do and we should. But there's also a lot of other ways we don't think about. If God chooses us 100% of the time and we're supposed to choose others, Why don't we just do something out of the blue? Just call somebody. Hey, saw you in church on Sunday. Glad you were there. Just out of the blue. You might have to wait for them to get off the floor before they can pick up the phone again, but why don't we? I mean, how many times does God just give us that feeling just out of the blue? I know I get it. Why don't we do that to others? Maybe you do. There's other ways that people love this congregation. Right now, downstairs, for those of you that have kids, there's people teaching our kids. Hopefully reinforcing what we've been saying at home 
if we're doing our part right, not saying they're doing it wrong, but if we're giving that at home, they're reinforcing that. They're taking time out of this service every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, to choose our kids over being up here. I'm thankful for that. And I think we need to thank them a little more than we do. They do it all the time. There's other ways. Awanas. Those people are taking time out of their week to choose those kids in the community, to choose those kids. Maybe our kids go there. There's Bible studies that go on where people take time to study, to prepare for that that Bible study. Our pastor comes up here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I know from experience it takes a lot of work to prepare one of these, even though it may only be 30, 40 minutes. And I don't know how he does it every week. I don't think I could. I've been working on this for over a month. So I don't know how he does it every week. So that's one way he shows love to us, by choosing to come up here. He doesn't have to. He could walk away. He could go somewhere else. I think serving in a church, serving some way in a church is a very big way to show you love this church, you love these people. And I'm not saying that because I'm shaking my finger saying you should serve, you should serve, more people should serve. No. I'm saying it because I've been there. My wife and I, we did youth group for six years, seven years, I think it was seven years, and it takes work to choose those kids, to love on those kids every week. I loved it. I'm not saying I regret it. I loved it. But it took some times where you had to kind of make it a commandment that, yes, I'm going to go do this. It's a good way to start building that love for other people because you've made a decision. I'm going to do this. I'm going to help in this area. And it starts building that love inside of you towards other people. From that choice, my wife and I have branched into other things. I'm up here right now. It's kind of grown it's a really good way to get involved. And there's not only this church, there's community things we can do also. But I think serving is one of the biggest ways we can show that we love God by doing service for other people. In love, a lot of times, you don't have to even say words. Because even when through your silence, People will know. People will know when you're being genuine and you love them. So let's show this community. Let's show this church. Let's show people that come in that we love them. We're glad they're here. And let's show this community. Not only that we love them, but by doing that, they're going to see that God loves them. So let's show this community God's love through us by choosing them. 
time and time again. If you go out in the world, people will choose each other and love each other to a certain extent. Like when you have these hurricanes and these things that go through back east and the tornadoes and all that, people come together and they serve and they love on them. But sometimes those same people that have been serving all day on the way home are getting mad, going through traffic, cussing people out. That's not showing love like God does. But if we show that continuously and make it a priority, that's what people see as different. That's what they look at and say, wow, why does that person do that? Wow, that person maybe must be loved somewhere. That must be a loved person because he's loving people. Sound like a familiar phrase we've been hearing? Loved people love people. So if you feel love from God, you're going to love people. It's going to be a natural thing. I know this is a big passage, and I kind of went through it fast. But I encourage you to really dig through it during the week. Read over it again. See how God has loved you. Think about how you can love others, how you can love this church and the community. And let's show others in this community, let's show them how much God loves them and longs to be with them. He wants them by his side. So let's show this community God's love. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the love you've shown to me in this church. I just thank you for the the sacrifice of your son on the cross and that he rose again that we might live with him. You're a great God and you love us so much. Lord, may we not be liars and hypocrites, but may we love others with a true and honest love that they may see you through us. Thank you in Jesus' name.